I'm working on something. I might not be impressive right now, but I'm working on something. I might not have any money right now, but I'm working on something. I may be a student in school living off of Roman noodles, but I'm working on something. I may have to study while you go to the basketball game, but I'm working on something. I may not get to do all the fun things that you get to do, but I'm working on something. I'm in the gym because I'm working on something. I'm on the field running because I'm working on something. I'm reading books at two o'clock in the morning because I'm working on something. I'm exercising because I'm working on something. Anytime you're working on something, you got to go through a period okay. of suffering. And if you lose over here, you're going to win over there. <laughs> so usually uh, I just start the podcast with a, with a like, welcome to Take it up with the podcast. Okay. But today I have something a little bit different. Oh, let's do it. <laughs> You have um, in your bio, in your on your site, it says purpose-based coaching. Okay. And I've had people on the podcast, obviously, we talk a lot about purpose. I know what purpose means to me. Um, I've even had a life coach on. My, my friend is a life coach, Rich nice. Auntie, and she never mentions purpose. Hmm. Not often. She doesn't mention purpose-based coaching is what I should say before she beats me up about saying that. (laughs) But what does purpose mean to you? Purpose is the reason why something exists. So is that why... Is that why you have it in your coaching? What is is purpose-based coaching is more so what I'm asking. Okay, so purpose-based coaching is... Tapping into your existence and why you're here. What are you meant to fulfill? Mm. What is that thing that you were created for? What was the thing that you, I always say to people, um, what is the problem that you were called to solve? And And I think that's one of the reasons why people are living aimlessly um, because they have not found that. So uh, my question to follow that up is actually um, you have something that you wrote uh, in your bio as well. And it says for years, I felt like I was simply existing. I knew that there had to be a reason for my existence beyond my comprehension. And I was desperate to find the answer. What, what, What were you going through at that time? So it was the desperation to find the answer part for me. Um, that's key to that answer because I feel as though I was just, like I said, existing. I would find, I would find things and people to numb or to avoid the truth, um, to try to, um, avoid owning my truth, owning my identity, owning my purpose, I think a lot of us, if we don't know our purpose, will will mask or will try to numb with clubbing or drugging or smoking, drinking, whatever that is, sexing, whatever, just to avoid yourself. Oh. And you mentioned the truth. What was that truth for you? The truth for me was my influence. My influence, my voice, 
um, my resilience, all of the incredible things that you probably wouldn't notice if you were drunk all the time oh. or high all the time or being the class clown all the time. You're kind of dumbing down and going, you know, a little lower than God's intended purpose for your life to fit in or because you don't know who you are. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So for me, for years, uh, I was also a product of my upbringing, my environment. So I had friends that kind of were in the same predicament as me that we just kind of trauma bonded mm-hmm. and nobody was strong enough to point out the obvious We'll just kind of talk about, yeah, you know, me too, me too, me too, all night long. Um, But then you realize, like, something is different about me, and I got to be okay with that. Wow. A lot of people have gifts, and uh, that usually is the thing, right? Like, I I knew this since I was young, but yours seems to be you were trying to fit in or trying to keep up with the people of old I would say right oh, for sure. and somehow like do you feel like there was a calling or was there an event of some sort that just caused you to say hey it's time it was truly a calling I believe that I I had a lot of popularity right mm-hmm. but of course you don't know your strength you know, when you're young, sometimes you don't know it unless it's like really nurtured. Uh-huh. Um, but I did grow up in church. I did grow up a believer. I grew up really strong in my faith uh-huh. um, in my relationship with God. It wasn't like perfect, but I, as a child, had childlike faith that was beyond wow. anybody that I knew um, because I had used my imagination a lot. So it wasn't hard for me to believe in a God that is invisible. Uh. <laughs> and so um, I love the scripture and I love what he said about me and what Jesus did for us. And so I gravitated toward that. I did not know that I was a leader. Um, I did not know I was eloquent um, in in basically relaying faith to people or teaching people um, or even leading people in the capacity that I do now. Um but I always, as a child, I got called boisterous. I got mm. called an interrupter. <laughs> like all the good things that I can see now right. that is great. Right. But back then, I thought it was an attack. Mm-hmm. I did because they were attacking right. me. They actually wasn't fortifying it. It was they were like putting me out of class every other day. <laughs> right. So like, um, everything that I could get into, I got into, and so the call was when I just got sick of not going forward. Every time I took one step forward, I would go 10 steps back. But I understood the the proverb or the, the saying, you reap what you sow. Mm. So I understood that I wasn't doing anything positive. I wasn't speaking positive. I wasn't thinking positive. I wasn't doing or being around anything positive. Mm. So I was like, if I want change, I have to be changed. Uh, I see that a lot, right? We uh, we start businesses and the people around us don't understand, right? We want to pursue our dreams and maybe something that the family doesn't totally agree with, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and that yeah. is difficult. So I can see how being someone who is in the word, full of the word, know know who god is and you know 
you believe in it so strongly that how can I relate this to my friends? How can I get my friends on board? Right. But mm, that's not how it. No, that's not how it went. Like <laughs> into teenage years, you would think I didn't know God. Oh, like as far as when I got to a point where I can make my own decisions, mm. like 16 and mm. up. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to church mm. because of, Things that happened, things that happened in my life and the breakup of my family home and um, the separation. It was a lot of things that transpired that took me away from the church for mm-hmm. a while, but it was in me. So I'm grateful mm-hmm. that that foundation was there because no matter how far I went and I did go far, <laughs> because when you brought up the the um, occupations that your family wouldn't be proud of, right. I was thinking to myself. The first experience with entrepreneurship, the reason why I knew I would be great in it mm-hmm. is because I became a drug dealer. Oh. I just want to say, like... No, I'm listening. Anybody that gets into, <laughs> into the street culture right. and drug right. dealing, I really believe they have a niche for entrepreneurship. They have a great entrepreneurial mind. But mm. again... If you have no positives, if you have no one influencing you to do the same thing, but in a different lane, right? you're not going to go there. You're going to stay right on the, on a street corner with it. So take me through the, the split of the family. Like what, what happened and what, it, why do you say it caused you to walk away from God temporarily? Well, from my perspective of it, because, you know, everybody involved have their own say and right. their own story. But for me, as uh, the second child, the second oldest, rather, um, I was about 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. And I saw, like, infidelity. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, on, I think, on both parts. And all I know is one day it was just, like, fighting. Fighting, it was always kind of uh, a little bit of turmoil, mm-hmm. um, you know, no no unity here and there. We can tell as children, but we were just children, so we didn't really care. We'll play, but I could just see, like, it wasn't a happy home mm-hmm. with uh, the parents. And so um, one day it just came out, like, a family meeting. Hey, we're getting a divorce. This is what happened. Um, The judge said that you two, because you're not the biological children of, you know, my stepdad. And that was traumatic because I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? So it was like all hell at one time just broke loose for me. I was like, not only are you telling me that you guys are no longer going to be together, Mm -hmm. which was traumatizing. Um, but this is not my dad, which was traumatizing because all I knew was I'm a daddy's girl. I look just like him. I was wondering though, why is my last name different? Mm -hmm. But you still too young to understand. Um, and I always was like, there needs to be a hyphenation put white behind my last name. (laughs) I was like, maybe they made a mistake. But um, from what my mom said, she was waiting till we got older to tell me. But it happened to where as though they didn't make it and it did not come out in a friendly way. Um, And then we found out that, okay, since you're not his child, you have the option to choose your home. So I think at this point, I'm 12. Right. 
And I was like processing the information immaturely, but as mature as I could. That's a lot. And um, it was so much drama at the house that um, I hated seeing my mom be outside the door knocking and we couldn't let her in. And it was crazy because she apparently had a whole nother boyfriend and it was crazy. So this had to be happening behind the scenes, like for like a year before it actually hit the fan. Cause I found out that they were trying to work it out. They went through separation. They went through all these things and I just didn't know. Right. Uh But the point is um, I went with my mom to just try to help balance because right. I know she loved her children and she just, I believed that I needed to just be there for her. So I moved out the county and I'm new to the county life because I grew up in the city in a nice na- neighborhood or whatever. Um, but it was a culture shock. So that was traumatic. Finding new friends, finding my place, finding my voice or my crowd, my tribe. It was traumatic. Um, so I got there and nothing went according to my plan. Like, um, because she had a boyfriend, I didn't know him. I didn't know life outside of my stepdad, my siblings, my mom, happy home. And so they were together all the time and I was out. Right. So I didn't have no structure, no accountability, no, um, Nobody to really nurture me and protect me. Um, And I thank God that God did Uh um, because I didn't go through like sexual abuse or anything like that. But um, I ended up being with a lot of people who had the same story. Like my parents don't understand me. Uh Um, They don't take care of me. They don't do this. They don't do that. We out here in the street getting it how we live. And I was just like, yeah, that's me too, you know? And I knew God though. So I'll encourage them here and there, Uh but, um, and I'll pray and stuff like that. But I didn't, I wasn't that minister on the street. Right. right. (laughs) (laughs) Preaching the gospel. (laughs) I was not, I was a tomboy. I ended up hiding my femininity and going Mm. through identity crisis. And I was one of the guys, like I was on a stoop with Timberland boots. (laughs) I could, I could baggy, (laughs) baggy jeans. I'm talking about the baggiest clothes to hide my body. Like I was just hiding. Um, So that was my experience to the street life. Yeah. And so from there, I'm assuming that led you into selling drugs. Yeah. What, because I, what, what I kind worked, of drugs were you selling about me as? Well, I worked at McDonald's, but the money was too slow. And one day I seen so many like out in the county back in the day. Um, it was just too easy right. to be amongst those that did drugs. Mm-hmm. And then I'm with the guys. So I see them mm-hmm. and I didn't really understand what they were doing. But then when I finally found out, I was like, oh, and that's when, I, as I got older, I, I became a little bit more feminine. I had a boyfriend, so I, you know, changed it up, you know, size down in my clothes and right. stuff, trying to look cute. But I said to myself, you know what? They'll never see me coming. Right. Like, if I did it, right. the police would never know. Right. And so that was my idea. Mm. And I started selling 
uh, crack. Mm. And I started, well, it started with weed, but then I switched it up to more money. And the the crack was the best way to get it faster. Mm -hmm. Um, And I dabbled in the heroin, but that was a random short occurrence. But I did, I did that. And uh, it worked out for years. It's amazing how uh, that story is so universal though. Right. You know, you're, you're in a, a home with two parents, whether a stepfather or father, you know, but you're in a home with two parents, you're in a solid home and then things happen, right? There's a split. And I've heard this before. You, you get to choose a side and there's like, you have this home that's structured, but there's a love of your mother and you choose that. And then there's the boyfriend who is you're holding your mom's attention. And then you, kind of stumble off and i have that same kind of story myself not the same exact yeah, story yeah, yeah. but yeah a similar story so it's just ironic how we're both here and doing positive uplifting things yeah and you are we're gonna fast forward just a little bit you didn't get in any trouble did you <laughs> i got it oh <laughs> too much trouble <laughs> but the podcast would literally be a part two three <laughs> I got in a lot of trouble. I'm trying to give you the fastest um, short version I can give you. I want to say every year, um, every year of my high school, I want to say 10th from 10th, 11th and 12th, I got kicked out Uh every year. I ended up having to go to night school and I had to go to alternative school just to make up my credits. Wow. Um, I didn't want to give up. Um, I was called every name, a loser. You won't ever graduate. And I was like, I can't let that, that those words be my truth. Uh-huh. Um, I did get arrested. But before any of this drug dealing and all of this stuff, I was living 100% integral. Uh-huh. I was, I think I was just having bad company and my mom seen it. And I was staying out at late, late at night and going to parties Um but she really didn't, she worked at night, so she didn't really have any control. However, she would try, I think when she's seen the patterns, when I started smoking, she could smell it. You know right, what I mean? Little right, things right, that right. changed about me. And one day she went down, I don't know, this was before I got in any trouble with the law. Uh-huh. Um, she took me to this group home downtown. And the people were like, you can't leave her here. <laughs> you can't leave her here. She's not. She didn't do anything. These people did something to get here, right? And it was as if she was like, she's on her way. Scare like, tactics, yeah. But no, she left me. Oh. <laughs> this was not a scare straight program episode. Okay, I did not go home with her. Wow. Like some way, somehow, I don't know if she paid them people to keep me, mm-hmm. but. She, she was like, I can't handle her. I can't. I think she she was going through enough of her own trauma that she could not. She did not have the capacity to just talk to me. The things that I know today that I would do. Um, and, and I often called it tough love. But I told my husband today, tough love is an excuse um, that children give parents that did not have the competence to communicate effectively. Mm. 
because of whatever they were going through. And I'm okay with that today. Mm-hmm. But I think we covered it up to try to cover them up. Right. But as a mom today, I could never give up on my kid. I don't care because that's my seed. Mm. That's my seed. Right. Whatever I went through or go through, he don't deserve getting half of me. Right. So I totally for agree. me, I <laughs> I did cover that up, but I, I now say, you know, it's it's forgiveness and everything. But that right there, le- being left behind in a group home, um, it just made me feel rejected. Uh-huh. And I'm there with criminals, young criminals and and young people who just didn't have parents. Um, they were maybe orphans. Uh-huh. So it was different situations. But I heard the person say, these people are state property. Wow. I was with people who were state property. So I think that was like the entryway to me becoming state property eventually, because I was like, well, if you don't trust me, you don't believe in me, you don't fortify me, you're not, you're giving me away. Right. I might as well go all the way. Right. And I did. So you carried some resentment from your mom dropping you off at that group it home wasn't at that resentment. time? It was just because at that time I suffered my biological dad finding out he never wanted me. Um, I My stepdad got upset that I wanted to find out who I was and where I came from. And I wanted to know why you weren't there. Mm-hmm. And he said, why would you want to know a person that didn't want to know you and got mad and kind of wrote me off? So I had everybody write me off. So for me, I just was like, I'm going to be okay. Right. So I didn't have resentment toward her at all. Actually, I was the one that kept fighting for a relationship because I was, I felt as though if I didn't have a connection, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be valid or I don't know, just to have a, just to say I got a mother that I can call. I just felt like I would have some type of, I don't know, safety. Right. But um, in a weird way, um, I did not hold resentment. I kind of felt like this was my, this was a part of me. Wow. This is just what it is. People don't want me. Resented or not, um, that wasn't even a thought back then. <laughs> it was a, you know what? I'm out here by myself. I got to, I got to learn the street. I got to learn the street code. I got to steal to eat or get a job. I got to do what I got to do. It was survival. That's, uh, as a, I have daughters, so that's a, that's a tough story for me. Cause just that, like you said, it's, I'm just not wanted. I don't, that's, that's, uh, I can't even find the words like that. That's just heart wrenching to hear that you felt like you weren't wanted. And just to go through all of that. And then you talk about being a great mom, which something I was going to mention, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't give your kids half of you, but there's so much to you that I don't want to, I don't want to skip to that. Cause you do a lot for a mom. Like you're moving around, you're you're traveling, you're coaching people, but <laughs> I got to get back to this this story because uh, I had a whole bunch of questions. This is the second interview. I had a whole bunch of questions that's not going away, but I'm happy about that. So from from the group home, being on your own and feeling not wanted, what what happened after that? Did 
were you were you just in the street life and then something happened where you got locked up or did you just like get your own home and like what happened after you made your way to graduation wow um so many things happened in between that but once the group home thing happened i think i was around 15 or 16 going on 16 uh-huh. and i had a boyfriend and um i remember telling my mom I'm not even having, I'm not having sex. I'm not doing any of that. I'm not doing what you think I'm doing. Uh Like I'm hanging with them. It was an opportunity to be caught. It was an opportunity for her to actually catch me before I I went all the way. Uh But what she had told me was I don't put anything past you. And that let me know she had no faith in me. Uh Like I had in God, like I was literally keeping my morals. I was keeping my standard. I was not going to have sex until marriage because my foundation was good. But when I left, we weren't going to church. Right. Um. Like we, she ended up going back to church and I would go with her, but it wasn't the same church. So it was kind of like, what are we doing here? This is weird. Um. And I was done. I, I stopped trusting her more than, um, resentment it was more like a lack of trust because i'm like if you don't want me um i don't i can't trust anybody and so um i had a job i ended up not being able to make as much money as i love to have made i knew i needed food i knew i needed clothes i knew i needed um my hair done my nails done i knew i needed a home because my mom would put me out If I don't show up on time, I would get put out sleeping in a playground, like inside of a little part. And I don't want to sound like, oh, this was so sad and miserable because I defied, you know, at this point I was rebellious. Right. Rebellion kicked in at a full speed, (laughs) full pace. Right. Um, And then I started having sex because I was like, well, what am I holding on for? And you don't even trust me. You don't even believe in me. So I had sex just to do it like I was doing it doing everything that I wasn't supposed to do that I knew it wasn't supposed to be my my future or my life but then you know when you taste that you go deep right deep deep down and nobody could pull me out of what I kept choosing to do and I got deeper and deeper let me into juvenile detention center after juvenile detention center I mean literally every year of my teenage life up in, from 14, 15 up until I was an adult. Uh-huh. It was juvie, juvie, juvie. And then, you know, when you go into juvie, um, you may not know this, but you do like, you go in, you come home on house arrest. You go in again, you get 30 days. You go in again, you get 90 days. You go in again, you get a year. And it was like, that was my process. Right. And um, one day I was in there. And I was just like, God, I keep messing up. I keep messing up. I keep coming back here. I had favor there. I had favor everywhere I went. So I knew God was protecting me, like for real. Um, And one day God spoke to me and I was looking out my cell window and he said, you're going to come back here. When you're older, you're going to come back here and you're going to minister to the same women that are in your place. So I believe that was my first glimmer of hope Uh that I don't have to be this way. Uh 
just hearing and seeing, looking out and gazing through bars at my future, that I'm going to come back here. I think it empowered me to hope again, right. to to chase what they say I can't have and and defy everything that people are saying about me. Like I was hearing things back at home from my stepdad. Oh, yeah, she's going to be in jail. She's going to have a bunch of kids. She's going to have a bunch of uh, fathers and uh, baby fathers, and she's going to be nothing, a drug addict. And like I was hearing these things, and I was like, I kept holding on to that word. Right. And that's what got me to, I'd never went to adult jail, thank mm. God, but I was trying to come out of what I was in. You know, we often uh, give God the glory for great things, right? Or when we turn our lives around, but I, I never hear anyone talk about giving God the glory for putting you in <laughs> juvenile, right? Or oh, putting yeah. someone in prison, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So do you, I mean, and I, I guess I kind of answered that question, but do you feel like God is always there even in those bad times? And maybe those bad things are for you to go on that path. Absolutely. I believe that God's, God does not want us to go through hell to get to heaven. But unfortunately, right. We're we're born into this world and we have to come back to him in some way, shape or form or stay with him, acknowledge him and then let him guide. But if you mess up, I believe the scripture that says that he's able to take what the devil meant for evil and turn it for your good. So I do understand that we do have a part to play and he could take us through the valley of the shadow of death and we could fear no evil, like David said, because he's with us. Mm hmm. Um, but like I told you from the beginning of the podcast that he told me that the survivor of the test becomes the teacher. Uh. So for me, I believe he'll allow tests. Right. And we can choose to go left or choose to go right. 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 But he's able, he's so God that he could take that left turn Uh and make something beautiful out of it. I I always say without no test, there is no testimony. Right. 100% 100% true. So you've, you've gone through all of that. You say you vow to never come back, but when you do come back, you're coming back to help heal people who have gone through some of the things that you've gone through and are suffering from situations that are outside of their control that are shaping their lives and putting them in juvenile, right? Yeah. What, <clears throat> what was that process? Did you go to college and, you, you know, you get some newfound knowledge or education about how to mentor people and coach or or just be a professional speaker. Like, what was that process like for you to hone in on that skill of being able to come back and deliver such a profound message? Well, I did go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not graduate college yet, but okay. I have realized that it was my mindset. Mm. Right. Outside of my connection with God and being reconnected um, and actually walking my journey as ethically or morally that I can, Mm because none of us are perfect. Right. But I'm perfect. I'm joking. (laughs) But you know what? You know, it's funny. (laughs) It's it's really funny because I believe that he perfects us. Right. 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 Um, So 
to go back to the point <coughs> was when I said, okay, God, I'm going to try your way. Mm-hmm. It was a process of unlearning everything that I knew as normal, mm-hmm. going against everything that society would say is normal. Right. Um, so it had to do with stop having sex with men. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you want to not be a single mom, Okay, um, how about stop having sex with men? Mm-hmm. Don't say stop having sex with a loser. Right. No, you stop having sex altogether. Right. Don't get into these soul ties anymore. Mm-hmm. It was undoing that. It was being able to be alone enough to look in the mirror at yourself and be like, it was me. It wasn't his fault that he treated me like that or I went through this, you know, because I had abusive relationships because I kept holding on to men because I didn't want to lose another man. Like I lost both of my fathers. Right. So the cycle was, it was me unlearning everything that I held on to, to, to be a crutch for me. I had to learn to walk again. I had to learn to walk in his way in in God's way and find out the reward from that. Right. And so I did go to college. I did get certificates and things like that. Um, I did start listening to podcasts and um, watching videos on mindset and renewing your mind and understanding that you can attract all the things that you want. You can have it and you can you can think your way to it. You can create your way to it. So doing all of those things together combined with my faith and my spirituality it led me to um, taking a coaching course uh-huh. or courses and um, wanting to be mentored. And then I was, I don't know, some way, somehow I began to just encourage people because I believe as I'm being encouraged, I should also share that message. Uh-huh. It's not just for me. If, if I got blessed with the word from God after I pray, I feel compelled to share it with somebody. And so for me, I realized that I was a light and we all are right. But what are you doing with your light? For a long time, I realized I was putting my light underneath a table. I was hiding it um, because I didn't know who I was. I didn't understand um, that God could use someone that's muddy Uh I didn't understand that he could make beauty out of ashes, right? I mm-hmm. didn't really understand that that promise was for me. So you said that you know you did you didn't uh, you stopped dimming your light uh, to summarize summarize what you said, but <clears throat> what if you uh, you get a blessing and then you go to relay the same blessing to someone or the same message, right? From God. And they're like, I don't believe in God. What do you say to that? How do you handle that? How do you handle that rejection? Cause I mean, it's something that's common, right? People of faith approach people who everyone's not the same believer that you are. So what do you do in those times? Well, first, um, I believe the scripture that says that when a person rejects you, they're not rejecting me. They're rejecting God. Uh So I don't take it personal. Uh And one thing I do know about people who do not have faith in God or lost their faith in God, 
that they need an encounter for themselves. And mm. I'm okay with that. I'm okay because I had my own encounter that made him real to me. Right. And so because again, if this if the survivor becomes the teacher, the survivor of the test becomes the teacher, I then can share my experience and relate to them and let them know I wasn't always, you know what I mean? Right, Looking right, like right, this, right, right, right. Like I have also came through or had that experience wherever rel- relativity that we can connect. Mm-hmm. And I will, I promise you I've encountered atheists. I've encountered um, agnostics. And by the end of our conversation, it was a seed planted. Mm. And you have to understand the scripture that says that some seed, some water, but God gets the increase. So it's not for you to be the one that transforms that person's life on a spot. Mm. You got to understand that for whatever reason, God connected you with that person for even a minute to drop a seed or to water them and their faith. And along their journey, they'll remember your conversation. Along the journey, that will transform their mindset in some way. Even in that day, they'll think about that. And God will be the one that whisper them to them and remind them of you or that conversation, or they'll have a dream. They'll have an encounter after, you know, anybody of faith that is coming with love, not religion, not, uh, not beating them over the head. You can never win a person unless you love them. Mm. Have you ever given up on someone? Given that, up on someone in what capacity? That you've tried to, you've tried to uh, maybe mentor or help them, but okay, you just said, I can't help this person. Have you ever had to do that? I've had to do, I wouldn't say give up on them. Mm-hmm. I would say I had to get out the way. Mm. And the reason why I say that is because, again, we have to not take ownership of the transformation in the first place. <laughs> like, it's not. I love duty. that. Say that again. We it's have not, to not take. Yeah, we can't take credit for the transformation mm. in the first place. Okay. Right? right. Like when we understand that we're just a vessel. Mm. God is the one that's God. He's the creator. He's the father. He's the author, the finisher. He's the one that can perfect them. We can't. He's the one he said, matter of fact, in the scripture, it said no one can come unless he draws them. He calls them. But you have to be willing. You have to be. I believe you have to be willing to or you have to be in a place where in some way your mouth may not be saying it, but your heart and your mind, your your soul is crying to him. So he calls you back. Mm. He talks back. And in some way, even the person who doesn't want to come in is stubborn. They're hearing a call. They are hearing a call. It's about do they answer? And so for me, I'm going back to your question. I don't get offended because I understand it's not my duty. It's my duty to do whatever my part is, but it's not my final thing. And I have gotten out of the way. Uh When God says, get out the way, you better get out the way. (laughs) Because I was one that would try to, before I was mature in my, in my relationship with God and understanding my position, I would try to take men to church and get them saved and right, change right. their life. And he go be my husband. I'm telling you, cause I'm a good woman. No, see, it's, it didn't work out because I wasn't the one. We're not the ones that get the credit. Mm. God does not want to share his glory with anybody. And even for me, like 
he didn't he didn't want anybody to take the credit for me and my transformation. So I have to give him all the glory, right? Right. And I have had to get out the way of even family members. Mm. Yeah. So you are now, I want to really, really fast forward this because I see that you are coaching, you are owning property, you are traveling, but... How does that affect your or how are you able to maintain such a quality relationship with your husband and your children? Because me and my family, my household as a whole, we put God first Mm. and we're not I'm not saying that cliche. We literally do it. And we understand that without God being the center and the head, we can't be connected as we are um my husband because you see all of these great things that I'm able to do is because of my husband it's because I have such a supportive husband I have such a genuine cheerleader at home and he's a covering he is my best friend like he's my partner everything that I dream he backs it up like he he tells me go do it like and he'll slow me down too (laughs) so I'm accountable to him but I'm only able to be the woman of God that I am and the servant that I am in whatever capacity that I lead and because I have such a strong man that is my head and um and that's my heart and so we do it together you may not see him all the time but when you see me you see him Mm. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. when he goes and do his thing and lead, he everybody see me because they know we connected. And it's all because God is literally our center. And we get up every day. If Every day we get up, we're praying together. Mm. And I, my son, my oldest, is in Punta Cana right now. And he knows you better be doing your devotion. Mm-hmm. You better pray at night and pray in the morning. But I'm just saying not to be religious, but we are in relationship. We don't do life without God. Mm. I, I heard you say that you're accountable to him. Uh, the <laughs> uh, I don't know how often you're on social media, but the message of today. <laughs> I'm just glad I ain't really It's rough out there. <laughs> it's because rough. the message of today is is not. Um, you know, you can do it by yourself. You could you can raise your kids by yourself. And if you get a man, he need to be on he need he need to be on your time, he need to be on your level, and you don't be making all this money and take care of you. It's a lot. It's feminist movements, it's non you don't need a man at all. Right. It's too many things happening right now that I'm thankful for that (laughs) I'm eight years. In well, 10 years in relationship, but eight years in marriage, and I'm super grateful. And I, this is why coaching and mentorship is necessary so that we can help people get to their destination quicker. Mm-hmm. Because if you can have somebody that that is preaching the opposite of what the world is saying is okay and normal, mm-hmm. why not invest? Why not get somebody to help you maintain that? integrity until you get to your destination if i had somebody like me i would have gotten there faster Mm. so that's why i'm really really open to being that vessel 
because I know what I needed. I didn't have it. Nobody was there. Nobody could teach me. Even when I did get a spiritual leader, they said, well, you two are doing it way different than I did. So I, y'all could teach me. Like, And so we go against the grain and I'm, I love going against the grain. Uh. You know what I mean? I love going against what the world is saying, traditions and stuff like that. Although I love traditional marriage, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the evils of the world. I love being standing out. I love being godly. I love doing it and showing people that you can be godly. You can be holy and cool Mm -hmm. and you can be fly. You can Mm -hmm. be fire at the same time and anointed. Like I did everything in the world. To the deepest level of sin, mm-hmm. I done. I mean, I didn't kill nobody, right? But I killed people with my mouth. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you. But my point is, like, I did the darkest stuff, right? Right. Why not go hard and do the lightest stuff? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be even better for the kingdom of God. Mm. So standing, you don't have a problem with standing out, and a lot of entrepreneurship puts you in a small percentage of people, right? So you now have Position to Prosper Coaching? Yes. That is a powerful name, by the way. I was excited to talk to you today. So I'm happy you made it. (laughs) (laughs) But Position to Prosper Coaching, how did that come about? And can you tell me more about what services are offered outside of the purpose-driven coaching? Okay, so how did Position to Prosper come about? First of all, during the pandemic, mm-hmm. a lot of people were like misplaced. Um, we couldn't go to church, we couldn't go to work, we couldn't go to, you know what I mean? Right. Life was abnormal. Right. And in the process of finding a new normal, mm-hmm. God gave me that name. Mm. And he said, you are going to help people get in position so that I can prosper them. A lot of people had lost their jobs. Um, They didn't have their wages anymore. Government shut down. Like, it's so much uncertainty. Even if you had the best job, it's uncertainty. Mm -hmm. But for me, if you have your foundation and you're connected to God, you're connected to Christ, you're connected to purpose, you're in the flow, you can't help but to prosper. The blessings of God is going to come and overtake you because you're just in the flow and you're finding your 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 purpose and you're just doing it not for a check, but just because you understand who you are. I can do this all day and you don't have to pay me nothing because I'm fulfilled but God will never not take care of your needs. As long as you're doing his will, every need of yours is met. Even the center needs are met, but (laughs) there's prosperity that comes with people that are doing it without motive, without having to be pushed in pride. You're just getting up and you just know this is your existence. This is why you were born. And God is pleased with that and rewards come. And I always say favor is better than money. Doors are open for you. Mm. You know what I mean? So it doesn't matter if I'm a millionaire here or not. I'm in my purpose and the souls that I'm reaching, the souls that I'm helping, the souls that I am healing and involved in their process with them connecting back to God, that reward is way better than 
any currency that's about to be out the window anyway, right? Right. But I do believe that I am a multimillionaire in the making, right? I I believe that the prosperity is coming um, and the evidence of it all is coming because God is helping me and my husband to be managers. He's in the finance sector mm-hmm. and um, he's helping so many people himself. And he has so many things he's doing with us, like setting up trust and he invests in my sons. Like they have their investment accounts and like I see what God is building with us. And it's only for us to be able to show people God. I believe our marriage is a reflection of God Uh and his love for us. And if we're wholesome family together, united, faith filled we have to speak up. I have to get in front of cameras. I have to get on microphones and be the example. And and everybody else in their position that is leading should do what you're doing. You know what I mean? And shining your light. Mm. Yeah. So <laughs> with that, what what other what other services are offered by the the coaching services that you provide? Okay. Cuz I've seen you um, help someone get their own Airbnb. Airbnb. Oh, yeah. yeah, I did see that yeah. as well. So, and uh, you are winning. I did see the truck, and and things are things are looking good. So the the millionaire status isn't. I don't know where that is, but I think you're well, well on your way. It's it's, it's definitely in the making. <laughs> um. So yes, I do help people. So whatever I'm into. I do help people. I can coach people to it. Like I can coach them to executing it too. So mm-hmm. Airbnb is one of those uh, okay. avenues helping people get business funding because a lot of people don't know if they have an LLC, they don't have to use their own money. Uh. You ha- the, the government has money for you, grants and all kinds of things. I always say that the banks are my actual business partners, right? Mm-hmm. And so even understanding that part that you don't have to use your own funding, you can get business funding, how to set up a business from from uh from you know, you just dreaming about it to actually manifesting it. I help people, I walk them all the way through that point. Um I'm actually a graphic designer as well. So not only do I coach people, but I can manifest it visually, uh, articulately. Like we also have a printing company. Mm. So that was my first business. Right. And then from there, people would always ask me, Trey, how did you do it? Trey, how did you do it? And so I was coaching years ago, back in 2012. And I was actually like, I came to Christ all the way in 2011. 2012, he gave me the name of my printing company, my graphic design company, Christian Culture. Mm-hmm. So Christian Culture, Graphics, and Inc. is that entity. I have three LLCs. Wow. And so that would never, we would never shut that down because everyone needs marketing. Right. Everybody needs printing and graphic designs to do their business, right? So that's how the actual coaching began without me even knowing what God was going to do when the pandemic came, where he made it official. And because people were calling me so much and I don't have the time to really do it unless you pay me for right, my time. Right, right. And it's not even paying me. I call it compensating me. Right. Because I never want people to think I'm a slave to them. Mm. No, I am really doing my calling. So you're compensating me and I'm also pouring into you. So you're investing in yourself and I'm investing into you. 
So for me, you can never pay me for my purpose. You can compensate me for my purpose. That's a different mindset because I never want to be owned by anybody. Mm. People mishandle people who they pay. Yeah. You know, and so to make a long story short, I began coaching and I offer Airbnb services, how to structure it, how to set it up. I'll help them even get an Airbnb um, without owning. You know, you don't people don't even know you don't have to even own a property. It's legal ways. It's a legal way how to do it. How, how do you cold call? How do you pitch landlords? How do you, you know, get other people's property and legally and ethically right. rent it? Um, it's a thing called arbitrage. So I teach that. I teach business funding. I teach um, how to have faith and connection with God, like, and how to pray, how to be stronger in your purpose. Um, So I I coach a couple of people who are actually in ministry Mm. who may not be at their strongest level yet um, as far as speaking, but we go through the foundation parts. Every person, no matter what you're coming to me for, I deal with your foundation because if we don't deal with the foundation, anything I say and do will go out the window. So I deal with mindsets. Mm. I deal with their faith first, mindset, and then we get to what you came here for and we execute. And one thing I do when I do it, you will move. You will see movement. You will be in position. And from there, I just be like, you off to the race. Like, it's not my job to watch the seed. Right. It's my job to either water and God will get the glory for the rest. But I'm here for them. If Some people come to me weekly. Some people biweekly. Some people do a monthly check-in. So, yeah, I, I put that coaching kind of ministry is first. My family ministry at home is first, but then to the masses is, is first. But then coaching is right there. And then my printing company and everything else, I kind of set up systems so that I can be able to do everything without sweating. You know wow. what I mean? It, literally, somebody just booked my Airbnb right here while we were sitting here. And I have to leave here and go and just kind of um, uh, stage and make sure everything's right with the Airbnb that someone's coming in tonight. So just different things. I don't have to, I don't have to work hard. Mm. You know, it's just when people want to schedule me, they schedule me and I prioritize my day around them because I believe the coaching is ministry. Mm. It's very intimate. Um, I pray with them at the end. Um, Anytime God gave me a word for them and I, I'm very much connected to God's voice I'll give them the word and it's always transformative. So when people come and book with me, they're literally going to transform in, in intimacy with God and in their purpose and their family. Everything's going to level up. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you you wear so many hats and I, I feel like I've asked this question, but how difficult is it? to do all of this, be a good steward, be a great wife, and to still be a mother. Because uh, mom's uh, my mom was a superhero to me, right? A lot of a lot of guys, their mom was a superhero, we, if, especially we grew up with a single mother. But you have to give your attention to so mm. many places, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so... You know, for someone, for a single mom that may be listening to this and aspiring to do what you do, 
Um, is there any advice you could offer for someone who is um, surviving and not thriving at this time? For sure. Um, if they're a mother, I would say your family is first. Everything starts at home. So even your capacity to be a leader outside of your house will be predicated upon your success in the house. So if you want to... You hit a nerve. I'm sure you hit a nerve there. (laughs) But it's true. Um, I was studying the Proverb 31 woman this morning Mm -hmm. and how she watches over her family and knows them and knows the temperature in the house. I told my husband, it's pretty much like the husband... That's the temperature, but the wife holds that temperature. And if she has to, she could shift the temperature Mm -hmm. to get it back. But you have to be able to be adorned by if you don't have a husband, but your children have to respect you. And and you have to live that life that is modeled at home that can also be modeled out here in society Mm -hmm. and in business. In church, wherever you are, it starts at home. I teach my children, love starts at home. Commitment, faithfulness, integrity starts at home. Mm. Who are you in the house when all the masks are off, the weaves is off, the lashes (laughs) is off, the makeup is off? You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you're bare. You're you're, you're bearing yourself. Do you pop off? Are Are you intoxicated and you're not even connected? Are you not even emotionally, intelligently connected with with your intimate circle, your family, your children, your nucleus? Everything else is not going to be right. right. It's going to be off kilter. So what I would say is straighten up home. Mm. Pay attention. Sober up. Wake up. Wake up so that you can say, you know what? I'm going to take ownership or accountability for what. God has given me here. Mm-hmm. He'll trust you. God says that those that are faithful over the few, he'll give you more. He'll give you rule. He'll make you ruler over much more. So you have to be faithful for what you with what you have. And if you have a little bit, be faithful as I don't know what with that small amount. Because I think people compare themselves with other people's success mm-hmm. to where as though they're ungrateful and unhappy about what they have. Mm. And that little bit that you have can be such a blessing if you just raise it right. Like I listen, I listen to children outside my window in the community. And do you know how many times I lift up that window and say, if I hear you cursing one more time mm-hmm. and I know their parents can hear them too. I know my child's voice. Right. And so I'm like, can we take ownership of our seed? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that right there will show you that you're a great leader. Mm. If they follow you, if they listen to you as best as they can, right? Because children are children. Right. But if they honor you, you got something mm. worth listening to outside. And you're gonna be all right. And get a coach because a coach can help you get further faster and avoid pitfalls. That's all a coach is really. And when you think about the best athletes, they have coaches. They're millionaires because they listen to their coaches. Right. Um, And most of all, God is the greatest coach of all. And, And someone who can help them get to where they need to go also is you. 
Miss Cook, Mrs. Cook, <laughs> 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 who can posi- who can position them to prosper. Uh, what is next from you? I always ask this question at the end of the pod. So what it, what's next? Ownership. Okay. Uh, multifamily ownership. Okay. Uh, multifamily ownership, more Airbnbs. I want a hotel. Um, inevitably, I want a, a Airbnb type of multifamily hotel s- situation. Okay. Um, uh, here and outside of my state and out of the country. Okay. Um, but moreover, blessing people's lives, bringing them to Christ, bringing them to the fulfillment, their purpose. I want to see lives change and transformed. I want to see people get married and be godly representations of God's love and have healthy, thriving marriages. Um, and I want to just watch my children grow up and, and become basically show the return on the investment. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't wait for that. Um, I want to finish my book. Okay. I'll be an author soon. Okay. Yeah. And those are my short-term goals and long-term goals in a nutshell. Okay. Well, we'll put your, we'll put all your links in the show notes, of course. Uh, if people want to reach out to you, the IG, the, um, you know, position to prosper coaching page, all of those things. I just want to say thank you for blessing the pod. This is a different type of podcast um, for sure that people aren't used to, but I love the message. I love the journey. And I always ask what people are, are uh, what's next because I like to circle back. It won't be, you know, anytime this year, but hopefully we can make this happen again on a larger plat. You know, the platform is growing and, um, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I totally appreciate you being in your purpose so that I can share my purpose with your audience. I really thank God for you and for you accepting me on your podcast. Um, such a gift. And so I can't wait for all the, all the beautiful things that God is going to do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank you guys for listening. Please be sure to check out the site, keepituplifting.com, to stay in touch with all of us here at the podcast. We would love to hear from you, especially myself, the main host, but we would love to hear from you, any topics you would love to talk about. And we just dropped the discipline shirts and hoodies on the store. Uh, you can also reach that from keepituplifting.com. The link to that will be in the listen notes as well. And just want to say we appreciate everybody who listens to the podcast. Thank you so much. And always, and always, take it up, listen. So strong.